With traffic, errands, and parking, cars can be a chore. But a great car can be an adventure, a getaway, and a prized possession. Whatever your budget or family require, there's a car out there you'll love. We're here to help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Sorry, Paul, you can't pay your mortgage this month. The Maserati doesn't run. <laughs> I hope that is not the scenario we have. I really, I'm scared by that. We, I mean, we are both we are both shopping right now. You for a Maserati Quattroporte and me for a Phaeton. We are genuinely shopping. We are reading so many car faxes right now that they've all become a blur. We are shopping nationwide for these cars. You guys are the reason we're doing this. Honestly, Absolutely. we joked about it. In fact, yeah. one of you wrote, I've got it in front of me here. Hang on. One of you wrote, it was uh, Jared Rose wrote that you've started listening to the podcast from the beginning. And the first time I thought I brought up the Phaeton was I podcast number four. Well, you, the fact that you recommended it for someone else means, I, A, it was on your brain. Somewhat tongue-in-cheek, yes. And then you recommend it, I think, Looking back, might not be the smartest idea, but well, wouldn't but I, that be cool if but, somebody wrote and said, I bought the Phaeton you recommended, and now it's for sale, and it's you not, bought that thing. It's not, a, cool. it's not a genuine recommend, but but I'm, I'm going to do it. But podcast number four, okay? I've been talking about this a lot. Cheap Phaetons have been a thing for a long time. We Clearly. are shopping both these cars because you guys had the idea for us to do a GoFundMe. That GoFundMe is at almost ten grand now, which is the place where this gets... A little more palatable, super, but super we real. told you that if we got over eight, we would do it. We are in the process of shopping. You guys have already pushed it over nine. We've got only a couple more days. If you're listening to this, it is actually the 1st of November. We're going to open, leave it open through the weekend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we would love to hit that ten grand figure. Uh, thank you, guys. This is this continues to be astounding. Truly, it is. Well, so I've been uh, cruising around on repo sites. Anybody got any experience <laughs> with a repo auction site? Because here's what I've learned about Quattroportes. If you're interested, well, mm-hmm. hopefully you are, the transmission. There were two transmissions available for the QP5. That's the cool kid's term, QP5. We're going to say a lot 03 of things to 2012. about these cars in the next few 04, months. 04 to 2012. And so that is the generation I'm shopping. And so many people wanted this as the baller car. This was the Flash. I'm driving almost a Ferrari. And there's been a lot of repossessions because people <laughs> couldn't keep up with the payments. And so I'm finding these cars on repo sites thinking, well, that looks pretty good, but then, of course, I need to run the Carfax. It's a repo site, yeah. So two transmissions for these cars. One is called the Duo Select. It's the F1 transmission. There's a, an accumulator in the back of the car, which has to run mm. when you open the door. So you should hear the accumulator running so the transmission will shift and go into gear. Yikes. But then there's the regular automatic. And, of course, you know it still has the Ferrari block and that whole thing, but... I, I'm learning so many things that I never thought I'd learn. and um, <laughs> We're going to keep sharing those, and, too. And keep sending your recommendations, yeah. please. We will let you know as soon as they are purchased. But please, keep, if you're shopping and you're you know, in your daily cruise around searching for cars thing and you think, oh, let me just switch the selector to Volkswagen or switch it over to Maserati, we happily accept recommendations. <laughs> and uh, you've been sending, actually, a lot of the ones you've sent, we've been checking out. Some of them had panned out, some of them not. But uh, we're chasing cars right now, which is crazy. And it we're going to have to get winter tires on it them, oh, yeah. insure them. Oh, yeah. There's expense All of the above. Yep. coming, and yikes. Yep, that's the stuff the show will have to undertake. <laughs> I found a Neiman Marcus edition oh, Quattroporte, no. and I thought, no, no. where did all those cars go? Here's one. Yeah. Astounding. Oh, man, all bad. Unbelievable. All bad. Well, uh, we've got a couple of great debates for you. We've got some news first to discuss. A couple of great debates that are non-U.S. Ba- based. Mm-hmm. And Very we like cool. doing this because it pushes us on our recommendations and searching and, and research as well. So we've got one for Chandon in Melbourne, Australia. And then we've also got one for Hunter W. in the Midlands, U.K., I think right in the Birmingham area. And I've been in Birmingham. Birmingham. There you go. Birmingham. Yeah. Bur- Birmingham. Yeah. It's very different than Birmingham in Alabama. Exactly. It, it, these, these, these are spelled the same and not said anywhere close to the same. That always makes me laugh. Yeah. All right. So this news is, uh, of course, merging two big car companies, becoming an even bigger car company, FCA and PSA. So that right now, as of this podcast recording, there hasn't been an official announcement, but certainly both these companies are in talks. Which means um, you, you remember all the Chrysler joint ownerships or owner vent, joint ventures or ownerships throughout the years? Yes, there have been many. Yes, I just wanted you, you know, to refresh your memory. Lamborghini, <laughs> the Mitsubishi and Diamond Star Motors. You remember yes, that? Yes. Of course, AMC and the Jeep brand, which has grown enormously and is a huge cash cow for FCA. Daimler 
And then there's the, you know, the GAC Auto, the Chinese car mm-hmm, company, mm-hmm. The, the joint venture there in China, and definitely Fiat is the latest. So now add Peugeot to the list. And wow. they would have wow. so many brands. On the other hand, Peugeot would give them an opportunity to really introduce a hot hatch and smaller cars. And that could be the comeback, but it, it's still tentative right now. I find it interesting. And I, I found the, the Daimler-Chrysler partnership very strange mm-hmm. because culturally... I don't think it ever really worked, it, no, the integration no. was. So I think of all car companies, it's Chrysler that's sort of like, eh, let's try them. You're new. Who are you? <laughs> they're like, we'll try you on. They're dating around. Totally. <laughs> Chrysler's dating around. Totally. Some of these marriages end in disaster. I mean, actually, one of you asked about the, uh, the Chrysler Crossfire because they're crazy cheap now. And you said, is this a great way to get a cheap Mercedes? The problem is that it's based on a Mercedes chassis that wasn't that good a sports car to begin with. I mean, honestly, <laughs> honestly. So they are cool because they're unique and old and interesting, but they weren't based on a great chassis to begin with. So it's going to be a question of what are your expectations getting into that car? Mm-hmm. Because it's not mm-hmm. going to be all that sporty a ride, but they are unique. And they're, I mean, they, they are the SLK of that gen, which was mostly a cruiser. You might as well get a Chrysler TC by Maserati. Now, see, that that is actually genuinely worse. I would go crossfire over Self-flagellation. The well, you know, but Come hey, on. you're a Maserati guy now. You're all I about the pickle fork company. Oh, my God. I can't yeah. believe this. Yeah. I, I want to just caveat it, but I won't. I'm going with it. Learning so much. <laughs> MaseratiLife.com, yo. Amazing. The Maserati forums. There's a lot of people on there, interestingly. And there's Maserati clubs, and of there's lots there. of wine and tours and slow driving involved. On the other hand, uh-huh. there is the Maserati birdcage. This is frightening. The, you know, the cool, very mm-hmm. thin tube frame yeah, sports yeah. car. There is the Enzo-based Ferrari MC12 or Maserati MC12 yeah, race yeah, yeah. car. Mm-hmm. There are some cool cars, There's especially some very in the cool far cars. Past. Yeah, the Bi-Turbo was very cool it in spite was. of the fact that it was known to be a massive hole for your wallet to fall down. I'm just but, realizing yeah. how fitting this is because a neighbor, when I was growing up, Uh-oh. had the Maserati Bi-Turbo, mm-hmm. and I was fascinated with yeah, that car. Yeah, yeah. Come to find out years later, because as a kid, you don't think about reliability you don't or think cost. About any of that. Yeah. It was just exotic and different. Yeah. And then later on, I found out what a pile of terribleness it was. Yeah. And then I thought, oh, that kills my childhood dream. But they were so cool. They it's, looked different. It's, it's and just a tire fire for your I, budget. I guess but let's get you a Maserati while we're at past. it. Shall we, shall we do this first car debate? Jump in. I Shannon say do here. it. He's writing to us from Melbourne, and he's uh, he's got multiple questions. But um, he said he was a lapsed fan of the show, and now he's refound us again with a vengeance. He's watching all the content. Thank you for that, man. By the way, if you haven't found it already, we, are, we do have TV show available to you via Vimeo. Yes. It isn't available via yes. Amazon Prime, but it's available worldwide via Vimeo if you'd like to see it that way. But uh, you have rediscovered our stuff and found the podcast you're writing in, which is very cool. Your first car was a Saab 93 5-speed manual. It's kind of cool. I feel like that's a fairly common story in enthusiasts. I started in Saab land? Yeah, that I had a 93, and it was the greatest. I feel like that's Hmm. not that uncommon. He had Bilstein shocks, and he says some lowering springs, and he did track the car twice, absolutely loved it. He said, while he had the Saab, he got a Yamaha R3. He said, only lasted about a year, and it was a thrill. He said he doesn't want to go back to motorcycle anytime soon. And now with the bike gone, he got an SW20 MR2 Turbo. Toyota MR2 Turbo is a project car, which felt almost as scary as the bike, he said. He said, I think it lasted about a year before he gave up completely getting it properly registered and roadworthy. And then he sold the Saab. Mm -hmm. Finally, eight months ago... He says, I sold the Saab, which was falling apart, and got himself a Mazda Speed 6. Mazda Speed so this six, is yeah. the 6 MPS known yeah. in Australia. So it's the, the 6 MPS, and he says, this is where my problem is at. I don't love it, even though he never got the MRT properly registered. The times he did drive it, he loved the MR2. Sure. As you would. Very different car. Yeah, yeah. As you would. And so the 6 MPS feels like a jack of all trades, master of none. You know, he says decent in the you know in a straight line. Nothing compared to a V8 Commodore or even a V8 Falcon. Certainly, <laughs> this is true. you know it, and, and that's why we recommend it so much, Shannon, is because it does work for so many people. And when mm-hmm. we recommend a hardcore sports car, it works for one thing, or we're yeah. looking for that it's one joyous on that moment. Sure. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't take into account the other people in your life who mm-hmm. need rides or need to drive it or have use out of it. And they're not looking for what we are. True. Which is totally fine. So we have to back off our own interests Mm -hmm. and our own, you know, sort of designing for yourself and think, okay, I'm designing for other people. I'm Mm -hmm. choosing for other people. 
and it works more for families and oh you've got kids and you know that kind of thing road trips so that's why it does work and you know sometimes we end up recommending those jack of all trades kind of yeah, cars because yeah, yeah. it does work especially for the budget and then honestly i've always felt like you call it the mps i'm gonna refer to it as the speed six is how i know it i feel like that speed six was overlooked in its time because it had mm-hmm. a good turbo motor in it. it had all-wheel drive it was front bias but it had all-wheel drive we did a fast blast of one forever ago genuinely fun to drive but also at this point uh, more than a decade old Mm-hmm. And uh, other stuff has come and gone that is better. But in that in that era, I thought it was really a standout. Still think it's a solid car, but I understand you're, you're comparing that to a to an MR2 and going, this isn't that much fun. Yes, I agree with you. Most <laughs> sedans compared to an MR2 are not going to be that much fun. But your plan is to sell that uh, Mazda Speed, that MPS, and you'll have about ten thousand Australian. And your so your question is, okay, you're not heavily concerned about practicality, age, or safety tech, but they'd be a bonus. You want fun here, lightweight, interesting, average reliability, uh, speed would be nice, but it's not the primary thing. You are looking at, everybody say it with me, the Miata. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're thinking you could get an NA or NB or possibly even an NC, which is the third-gen Miata, for uh, 10000 uh, Australian or less. You also saw a Toyota Serra. Those are actually really cool. That's the one they weird are. Japanese car that I would like, kind of like to own, even though I have no purpose for it, and I'm about to have a hole in my yard that's the shape of a phaeton. So I won't <laughs> be doing that. But uh, that Don would be Ball turned their cars yeah. into fire pits. You've got to be They're kidding. warm, but yeah. <laughs> It's mortgage or Phaeton. Anyway, uh, but uh, on the other end of the spectrum, you've thought about getting one of those big V8, those Commodores or whatever. You're saying, where do we land here? And, of course, in some ways, Miata is the answer. But there's other things. There's other things. There are. I I did the the math. Well, I actually went to the, the currency the conversion, conversion website. Did, yes. Because it's me, and the dollar is a little bit weaker as of today. So as of this recording, ten thousand Australian dollars equates to six thousand eight hundred ninety-two mm. and thirty-one cents in U.S. dollars. That thirty-one cents puts you right over the top. So think yeah. think seven grand ish okay. sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. U.S. ten grand Australian dollar. And uh, yes, I love your choices. I do like the V8 Commodore, also known as the Pontiac G8 in mm-hmm. the United States. Yeah, yeah. Yes to the Toyota Sarah all day long. But I'm going with uh, a couple of thoughts here for you. Shannon, it's that first-generation BMW 1 Series 3-door or 5-door. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah, yeah. BMW's code are E81 or the E87, built from 04 to 2011. Yeah, we didn't get them, but they're very cool. They are so cool. We see them in Europe, and Australia got them too. Mm -hmm. Found you a 2006 120i with 150,000 kilometers for $8,500. So that's $8,500 Australian dollars. Australian, yeah, yeah. And I, I like that car because of many reasons. And you said in your email here, you're not in a rush and you prefer three quarters of the speed, lightweight, interesting, and average reliability because you're not afraid to work on it yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is why I'm coming to you with a BMW choice. Okay. They're different, they're cool, mm-hmm. and just the satisfaction in your heart knowing that the U.S. didn't get these and I've got one here. True. They could be put into the you know, more staid commute land because, of course, they can be had with a variety of engines yes, spec that is gonna increase the spice. There. Yes, for sure. You for know, sure. definitely yeah. the engine, you know, can take advantage of the chassis or it doesn't. Well, and also... But I just want you to consider. Is is the chassis set up with... I mean, like, uh, we had somebody that wrote the show that, that rented one in Europe, and, of course, they did the rental version, mm-hmm. and they were pretty disappointed. Sure. But we're talking about the rental spec. Yeah. yeah. So be careful what your spec is on that one series. I think if you get it spec'd right as an enthusiast car, you find one that was properly spec'd. And, and I'm not even saying get the big engine. I'm just saying the one that has, call it sport pack, call it track pack, whichever one makes it handle better, okay, in, in the parlance of your of your market... If, if you find one that's properly spec, it could be really fun. If you find one that isn't properly spec, you'd probably be like, eh. And but I love it as an idea. I love it as something to an chase idea. because then you can dig out and figure out what are the specs I need to make it feel like I want. Well, I, I can happily be accused of looking at it for styling alone. I am happy to they're be. Cool. Well, you just like them, Paul, just because they're cool and they look cool. And you're right but I, as far as the specs. But I have but I have to think that properly spec, they're still going to be fun. I, I, think so. I don't think for a split second they wouldn't be. But I also can totally understand the rental spec version is going to be bland. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, that led me to Mini Coopers. And I thought, all mm, right, that's good. choose the best one you can buy for mm. ten grand. Mm. What is the best one that you like? Interesting. Okay, the yeah, reason yeah. I do is because of your success with Spot the Mini. Yes. 
The supercharger was rebuilt. It was one owner. It was highly taken care of. <laughs> it was. If it was you a can find it, that, kind of actually absolved a lot of my fear towards minis. Just mm, interesting. Oh, okay. They're not going to run, and they're just kind of you know fifty thousand miles, and you're it's a dirty dish rag. You know, <laughs> I'm not thinking that anymore. Okay. I'm genuinely right, thinking Mini Cooper because they are so fun. And you named a bunch of hatches. I thought, well, what about this one? Mm, that's good. Best one you that's can good. buy for the money. I couldn't find any Holden Monaro V8s, also known as the Pontiac GTO in the States. I couldn't find any even Vauxhall-branded ones. I couldn't find any for your price. So I'm going to do the Paul Limiter a tiny bit. You knew it was coming. Of course. I'm I'm respecting your budget for the other two, but what about any Toyota 86 for that price? Hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I found you a 2012 manual in Campbelltown. It's black with polished wheels, 158,000 kilometers for $14,950. Ooh, that's compelling. It's above the budget. But it, it's they're compelling. more expensive. But could you go in there and say thirteen five? Can you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you find loose change in the couch? Can yeah, you? I see where you are. I see where you are. What can you do? Because I love that recipe for you, Cam, mm-hmm. uh, Shannon. And I just thought, you know me. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit of tire in that car, and I it does come to life. Well, I and, do like, and it you're that. dealing with a good place budget-wise too, which is good. And it is manual, I mean, by it's the a way. It's a little, little bit above, but but you're getting a lot newer car too. That mm-hmm. car is going to run. Mm-hmm. I see where you went. Okay, look at you with the with the '86 I, chassis for once. What I love sometimes that you come in with you know Cayennes and Boxsters and Cayman yeah. recommendations. Yeah, I, come when in, I don't I come in with Porsche. So here I am, all over the Toyota right. '86 for you. Again, caveat: you can poke me like that's too much money. I get it, but I, I see I where you're it. going. But I would love for you. The other one I found was higher price than that. So that that was the okay. lowest one I could find in okay. your area. Cool, cool. Well, I, look, I didn't. I'm not bringing up the 86. I don't have to. That's awesome. Yes, look, the the Miata joke. Miata is always the answer. Okay, that's yeah, where the joke comes yeah. from. Yes, it would work for you. I like it. There's nothing wrong with it. I actually think that the Toyota Sarah is not going to feel quite dynamic enough, but it might be quirky enough. So debate among oh, yourself. Sure. Is it dynamic enough what's, for you? What's worth more? Yeah. But I do. So Miata definitely would work. I have two others for you. You like to wrench. And I'm mm-hmm. looking at your budget. I'm looking at what you like about that MR2 and this kind of thing. Porsche 944. You did 86. I'm doing Porsche. Porsche okay. 944. Okay. The, 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 the one concern with those 944s, because they are great to drive, and they are, even in, in the slow, uh, non-turbo version, they're genuinely fun. The problem is, if you don't like to wrench or you're not comfortable with that, they become scary. Mm-hmm. So, And, mm-hmm. and I, I, I can't speak to what's your parts availability in Australia for those cars, but I have to think... They're out there, and you can get parts. So 944 is a real option. And then I thought of one that is a forbidden fruit for us that I think might be perfect for you. Think about this for a second. Okay. The 90s, follow me all the way through here. Don't get ahead of me. The, <laughs> the 90s Nissan R32 GTS, the Skyline, but not the GTR. That's what we drove, remember? Ooh. Are those cheap enough? I think they have to be because that's the thing. The kid that had one here, okay, he got it here for ten grand. He got it all the way here for ten grand, U.S. Yeah, it took and they like went eight months or something. They went. They went to the Australian market, and the Australian market has a huge amount of JDM stuff that's been brought over too. This is a car from the '90s. You're going to get your your two plus two size. Okay, you're going to get some decent usable size out of it. It's right hand drive, so it's already done, ready for you. That car was genuinely everything good about 90s cars. It was fun. It was chuckable. It had power but wasn't crazy. It wasn't It wasn't like you stepped down from the GTR and this thing just got boring. It was mm-hmm. Watch our fast bus on it. It was genuinely fun to drive. You know, it, I remember it felt so solid to me. Yes. For being, yes. you know, quote, unquote, old. Mm-hmm. It just felt solid and great. And all-wheel drive, great 90s tech, Nissan in its heyday, I'm wondering if one of those is in your local market because I think, based on the prices I'm aware of for what it takes for an American to get, as I've seen elsewhere too, what it takes for an American to get one. This is still all-wheel drive and all that. It's all the goodness below the GTR. So I think in your market they may already exist, and I bet you they're at your budget, and I think it's going to be more fun than the Mazda Speed. Sure, sure. But it still maintains a lot of that usability. Just go get that car. I like that a lot. If you can get that for that price, is the guy here who owns it, I think he said he paid eight thousand US and then shipping was on top of that. Yeah, it was ten grand and of course to have tax it in title was on top yes. of that. So it was and he was like shipping it. Twelve all in or yep. something. And that was US dollars, mm-hmm. but 
yeah, if you can find that genuinely, it might be harder. But, you know, if there's a community there or there's forums, a lot of time those forums have classifieds on there. And you know those cars are taken care of by the enthusiasts. So that might be a good way, way to start instead of the, the typical car shopping websites. Yeah. You might want to do that. It's the combination of those cars being available in that market, and there's a huge JDM scene there anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's well done. If you can do every it, now and you then, can pull it off. Every now and then, I have one. You know what you should nice. do? Nice. And it's generally a fate. No, actually, it's not. It, <laughs> that'll be my you nightmare and not of yours. Phaeton. Early wow. on. Uh, it's been my it's, it's been, been stuck my in terrible your brain. obsession for a long, long time, and now it's going to happen for better and for worse. <laughs> Here it comes. Wow. Well, a big hello to all of our Australian listeners. Thank you guys for writing in. A lot of you are really, really appreciate it. We need to go there someday. We definitely do. We need to have I a want meet to do up Australia and, a drive. and New Zealand. I want to do both. We need yeah. to shoot stuff there. Yeah, for sure. I would love that. We've actually can got we... a friend coming to SEMA from Australia. Yeah, Peter. Fact. Yeah. Can, can we please? I, look, I know it's a foregone conclusion, but just because of my history, can we please shoot some ridiculous Lord of the Rings-themed video oh. with a car in New Zealand at some point, please? Can we digitally superimpose wraiths chasing the sure. something that we're driving? Sure. And, yeah, yes, let's all of do the above. That. We'll find the locations in New Zealand, which, by the way, that's you know, there's a whole subculture of like tourism in New Zealand that is just about. It's did you see just where Lord Middle of the Rings Earth. was? Yeah, yeah. Amazon, of course, is spending a uh, like a quarter billion dollars to make their new uh, Lord of the Rings based thing, Are and they're going back me? to New Zealand. Because Are you? Of course, kidding? you are. No, I'm not kidding you at all. They're trying wow. to make their own Game of Thrones, and they're dipping into – sorry, geekdom. They're dip, dipping into the Cimmerillion, which is the larger history that J.R.R. Tolkien wrote around Lord of the Rings. They're dipping into that. They're going to make a big attempt at a, a Game of Thrones-style thing for Amazon. They're throwing money wow. at it. Wow. So, but but honestly, you I, lost I, me a I little bit there. Do, I, know I mean, I if you had thrown in like a Battlestar Galactica term or a yeah. Star Wars term in there too, you I would have been, been really confused. You would have been, you, you would have been at, like in a coma for the next. Five I'm minutes serious. Of the podcast. That, you know, the scripts write themselves. Let's do combinations. Yes, that you would have never thought, the, and it's a whole new genre. And but I actually, I actually kind of think we should get away with it because I actually have a connection to the films just beyond. beyond. And we're in New Zealand. It's Lord of the Rings. I think we should. But anyway, so that, at some point we'll do that, and then that'll just be madness for the sake of madness. Awesome. All right. Well, guys. Thanks for writing. If you've got your own car debate, as I always say, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. Write to us with your debate, mm-hmm. your second debate, your third debate. If you got something and your now you're selling conclusions. it. Car conclusions, absolutely. And you can also do the same thing on the website, everydaydriver.com. Top right corner, under the About tab, there's a contact button. Mm-hmm. They come to the same place. So whichever is more convenient for you. You may not be buying a car right now, but you're probably still looking. We're all looking. We're all looking all the time. And it seems there's always a new place to search. That's why we love Autotempest.com. With Autotempest, you only enter your search one time and you see the results from Cars.com, eBay, all of Craigslist, and many more. Or you can jump over to Autotrader and CarGurus without entering anything new. So if you're looking for fun or you need a car right now, don't go all over. Start at Autotempest.com. All the cars, one search. We all have a lot of to-do lists, and some of them get quite long. You know, drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk... Here's an idea, though. Let's add save hundreds of dollars on car insurance to that list. And the good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save, you've heard it before, 15% or more on your car insurance. Extra money in your pocket? This just may be the most rewarding to-do thing on your list today. The weather's changing, but the sun is still out and still baking your car's interior. All you need is a custom sunscreen from Covercraft. These foldable sunscreens fit perfectly in the windshield of your car, and they keep your car a lot cooler while you're off enjoying the sunshine or whatever you're doing. I have used these for years, and I'm telling you, I swear by them. These custom sunscreens from Covercraft are available in a whole range of colors, and they're a simple, affordable way for you to keep your car cooler all summer long and protected from damaging UV rays all year long. We swear by our custom sunscreens from Covercraft. It's one of our favorite car accessories. And remember, you can get 10% off your car sunscreen by using the code EVERYDAY right now at Covercraft.com, or you can follow the link from our sponsors page. And we're back with another car debate, this one for the UK. This is Hunter writing to us from the Midlands. We've got a really cool discussion there about should we get two cars or one car, which is one of our favorite things. But real quick, if you'll do me a favor, if you've watched any of the seasons on Amazon, would you please go in and rate it? Now, specifically, the, both of those matter because Amazon 
counts ratings from everybody, but then they like verified ratings, which are people that they can track. You watch it on your account and mm-hmm. you give them a rating. Mm-hmm. Once you get enough, enough, enough of those, then Amazon pushes that rating out publicly. Right, right. So right now we've got a lot of really nice ratings on season five, for example. Thank you for those ratings. But for whatever reason, there aren't enough verified ones for Amazon to share it publicly. Ah, it's gotcha, weird. Gotcha. It's yeah. weird. And here's the thing: some of you that rated it may not have been logged in when you rated it, and you may have rated it, watched it on Amazon. It's it's this weird algorithm thing. I'm, I'm just saying yeah. it because you guys giving ratings yeah. to the TV show and the podcast are what make people find it and make it grow. If you have not rated the podcast, you haven't rated the TV show. It really genuinely helps us. And we refuse to do it ourselves. So thank you for those ratings. And some of the things you guys have to say about the show is, is really very flattering. Thank you. It's nice to know it's working. So uh, I hate to ask, but you guys are the ones that can do it. And it helps immensely for others to find it. We were on our recent Atlanta meetup. Mm-hmm. It was interesting to meet a few people that found the show because of Amazon Prime. They'd never yeah. seen YouTube. They hadn't found the podcast. They, they weren't aware of the everyday driver world, if you will. And they found it on Amazon as a recommended show for them. And then that was the way they kind of found their way back. Because the fact that they were sitting with us at Atlanta Meetup means they now listen to the podcast. Mm -hmm. They worked Mm -hmm. their way backwards to the content, if you will. At least what we think of as backwards since the Amazon Prime thing is the latest thing. All of this to say, you guys are being our ambassadors there. And that helps the algorithm and the big scary machine work. So thank you. And I really appreciate it. Well, you might have noticed, those of you whom we meet in person, we might ask you, what piece of content from Everyday Driver mm-hmm. did you find Absolutely. first? Absolutely. How'd you that's, find the show? That's a common yeah. question for us just because we're curious, but ultimately kind of what we're asking, the question behind the question is our own messaging, our own promotion of – because so many people say, you guys have a podcast? And then other other <laughs> yeah. people who are listeners yeah. say – you guys do video? Yeah, what? exactly. It's what Films? It? Yeah. I had no idea. So it's more of a messaging, what can we do to continually adjust algorithms and, and We're trying to push on those yes. and, and continually. Right. Yes, it's, it's a trying right. to be better thing for us. But we're genuinely curious. And many people say, yeah, I found you on YouTube, but that's why we'll plug Amazon and podcast on YouTube because people say, I had no idea. There have been many people, now that we've started posting more Fast Blast content, Mm -hmm. more regular Fast Blast content on YouTube – They've said, uh, I thought this channel was dead. I had no idea. And, you know, because our attention is focused on TV, yeah, Amazon, yeah, yeah. Vimeo, uh-huh. and the podcast over yeah, here. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, shooting films. And they had no idea because that stuff doesn't go to YouTube. Mm-hmm. So it goes to other platforms. Yeah. And so, again, for those outside the U.S., Vimeo is the place to find mm-hmm. all the TV seasons and the film. So it's all the similar content as Amazon. We are sorry that Amazon doesn't publish to. Canada, Australia. It's a whole thing. Well, it does to UK, but you know what I mean. Anyway, so a lot of stuff. So it's just uh, more of a messaging thing for us, and that's why we ask. But speaking of outside the U.S., yes, it's Hunter in the Midlands. Mm -hmm. He's from the U.S., but he's been living in Northern Europe for the last few years, he says. Back in the U.S., he lived out in the suburbs, had an 08 Golf and an 01 Silverado. Like it. Okay. Living the American dream. Actually, that Golf should have been a Mustang. Then you really would have done it right. <laughs> then you're That good. would have been the, the Ford right. Mustang and the Chevy Silverado would have just done it right. right. But anyway, owner. But once he moved, he was in the city, and he hasn't really needed a car. Mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. wanted one, certainly, but it just didn't make sense to own one. However, he's about to start a new job in the U.K., in the Midlands specifically, he says, and it seems like owning a car makes sense again. Okay. All right. So, what to buy? Hence the email. <laughs> His cool budget is in. pretty good, actually. Yeah. 20,000 pounds. Mm-hmm. He's torn as to whether he should get one general purpose car or get two cheaper specialized car. He's got a wife and two small kids, so his plan in the U.S. was to get a new GTI, but then they moved. That's out the window. There's yeah. one yeah, yeah. not quite clear thing from your email, Hunter. You said your wife has a car or will have a car. Is that separate from what you're looking for? Is I that just so. over here on the side? That's how I read it. That's yeah. kind of how I'm yeah, reading it. For but sure. Yeah. I, I just wanted to make sure because that did affect my choices for yeah. you. And we do paint scenarios here for you. So he is definitely in hot hatch land. He says, now I need a car again. Is it another GTI? I-30N, McGann RS, 240i, mm. Fiesta ST, or pairings? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it a Land Rover Defender? And a Lotus Elise, or an old Land Cruiser, <laughs> or like a Cayman at a base golf or something. He's looked at them all, named the usual suspects, Miatas, RX-8s, the, the 86, uh-huh. prior-gen Fiesta STs. Because he likes the utility of his old truck, and he said, I'd like to try a little off-roading, but more importantly, he wants the fun and agile for British back roads. It's the British B-roads, yeah, for so sure. cool. For sure, yeah, yeah. And this is where he says, okay, you, your wife will have a car, too, and taking kids to school, which is great. 
but he might have to take them once in a while. Mm-hmm. So having something with four seats might be good. Or he could just get a two-seater and swap with his wife. And yeah, I get the sense. I get the sense she's going to have a car and has nothing to do with this discussion. That's so what this I'm hoping. Is, yeah, that 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 seems that's to be the case. I, I agree with you. It's a little gray, but I think that's the case. The I I'm going to go two routes on this. I think I have your car. I think I've got your sniper shot You're car. Go get this. Be happy. Thank you for writing. But I want <laughs> wow, to talk first great. about the two car scenario. Okay. I like the two-car idea a lot. Look, I have multiple cars, different tools for different projects. I'm about to have another another one. Anyway, but so I like it. I like it. Of course, we, we support that. And I think you could have fun and get good stuff there. One of the, the crazy cool things about the U.K. car market is how stuff falls off cliffs and is yes. unbelievably affordable. Yes. So for twenty grand, you could wind up with an Elise and a, a Land Cruiser or a Defender or something. You could have all kinds of fun. Okay, you could. You talked about an S two thousand, which you know is just those just run. I think all of that is worthwhile. What I'm concerned for you is two things. One, if you get two cars in this scenario, I think one of them you're going you're to find just sits. Sure. I'm also sure. worried about the fact that if you get two cars in this scenario, are you going to have just bought two projects? Because, because of budget, you you're saying? Yes, because you don't say, hey, I'm a guy, I've got a garage, I want a wrench. That's not what you need. You just need something sure. that you have. Sure. It works, it runs, it's fun when it needs to be, it's, it, it does stuff. Uh, I'm worried about you winding up with two project cars hmm. or a car that you just realize, I haven't driven that in months. Hmm. So hmm. I feel like in the short term, there is a car. You've actually mentioned it, but I think it's it's one and done. Really? It's the brand new Fiesta ST. Okay, fair enough, since we don't get them in the U.S. And it's not just because we don't get it. We love the prior one. I have heard, honestly, nothing but glowing reviews of the new one. Dang, we need to get in that car, don't we? Tom loves it. Uh, I've heard other – every review I've read of it is just like, wow, this car is even better than the last one, which is kind of shocking. Mm -hmm. The problem with the last one was that people didn't really know what it was, and the interior was serious Mm -hmm, mm box. This one looks better and has a nicer interior. Win-win. But the great thing about the Fiesta ST is, and as you know, you were talking about it prior part of the podcast. Mm-hmm. I love the 86 chassis. The thing about the Fiesta ST is its power band is where life happens. Sure. It's those little sure. blasts through cities. It's those little blasts on back roads. That's where it has its most power and fun. It plays, kind of feel like life, and a lot of Europe plays to that car's strengths. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and so you for the can, small city stuff. So you can have a fun dad car that you chuck around and laugh about, but then if it's like, oh, honey, would you pivot and go to the grocery store, or would you pick up the kid? Sure. I don't have to swap cars. I don't have, I'm just done. Mm. I'm done. And because they are so affordable, you could get a new one. You've got warranty. You're starting new life, new job. I just think brand new Fiesta ST, be happy. That's compelling. That's a great choice, and I love that it's something that we don't get, and yes, we need to drive it, and uh, yeah, it does look good. I, I like that a lot. My efforts are to confuse you further, Hunter, though. Perfect. Like it. You know how Todd was saying that luxury cars fall off a cliff? <laughs> they do. <clears throat> Big time. For 20,000 oh, pounds, no. allow me to give you an example. Oh, no. You could get a 2009 BMW M5 with the V10 for <sighs> 20,000 pounds. Only 50,000 miles in that burgundy. terrified right now. It's in Great Bar, Birmingham. Full dealer service history. I'm terrified. V10 BMW. On the other hand, (laughs) it's not like you've got Autobahns to bomb around Yeah, it's a V10 BMW on a British back road. Yeah. But I just want you to know this car exists. It's for sale. Okay. All right. Fair. I went a different route. All right. I'm all about tool for the job, and the... The four-wheel drive part of you, the off-road truck sure. part of you, is sure. not lost, yeah. and I want to address it. So I came up with the two-scenario situation here. Okay. I love that we split on this. That's good. And I, I hear you about – you didn't say how much space you have to own cars. I do like having just the one small car mm-hmm. kind of do it all, and I like sure. that your yeah. wife has one already. But the wanting a truck part of you is not lost. Mm-hmm. So Fair. first of all, I went, uh, I went shopping. Of course you did. Scenario one is the properly British scenario. Okay. 1994 Defender 90s are 6,400 pounds. Wow. And maybe, you know, I was thinking if your wife didn't already have a car, you could go a really nice Mini Cooper. Yeah. Newer. Mm -hmm. If you needed to drive and transport the kids or whatever, Mm -hmm. it would give you that two... Two scenario, two things to, you know, maybe the <laughs> officially British now. But yeah, then you like pile it. the family and we I go like bombing it. around in the mud. 
you know, you could transport the kids in the Mini Cooper or in a lease if you want to transport them one at a time. Certainly, you could do that. It's always a choice. <laughs> right? <laughs> We're going to school in shifts, kids. Get in the bus. That's yeah. right. I like it. Hey, I'm all, I'm all about get that. Get a That's, yellow one like that. Todd. Yes, exactly. Get exactly. a yellow one. You, uh, you and I leave at 730. You and I leave at 8. I'll be back. <laughs> I mean, Hunter, I was looking at Jags. I was looking at everything to be properly British, but I like the small car fun. And for 15000 you know, pounds somewhere in there, you can get a pretty nice Mini Cooper. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. and if you want to go so far to get BRG, the British Racing Green, tan leather interior, yeah, yeah. oatmeal, saddle, whatever you yeah, call yeah. it, do that. Proper British experience. Did you find... Land Rover to Mini? Come did on. Did you find early Elise's, though? Couldn't he do that and the, he and the could. Defender? He could. You'd probably be Series Absolutely. 1, wouldn't you? He probably might be a Series stuff. 1, a little bit less horsepower, but who cares? Yeah, they're they're tiny little yeah. thing, and go enjoy that. Yeah. I mean, that could be, you know, dad's having, you know, dad time. I'll, which, I'll see you in which, four hours, yeah. kind of. <laughs> Go on therapy. I'm going to Scotland. Bye. <laughs> going to Scotland. Bye. Back tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. That is awesome. I like it. I'm in search of spaghetti. All right. So, scenario two is more of the not stage choice, but it, it it's maxing out in both categories. Okay. All right. What is the yeah, max yeah. you can go? And of course, I pushed on your budget a little bit. I've always kind of liked the Volkswagen truck. The Amarok. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. In a weird, strange way, I've looked at them. I like the proportions. Mm-hmm. I kind of like what yeah, they yeah. do. They're four doors. Found you a 2011 2.0 diesel for 11,988. Uh, 11, hmm. Okay. So All right. 12,000 well pounds. Yeah, yeah, do well there. Get it for 11,000 pounds. And then I thought, well, again, with the GT86. Many of them are 10,000 pounds and under for the wow. rear-wheel drive sports car experience. Wow. okay. So here I am twice recommending a GT86 on two different continents. That's crazy. Because it does solve the automatic manual truckness and rear-wheel drive sports car for Look you, at you with two kid-sized back seats. Your whole family will be comfortable in the Amarok. You can take that bomb around, and I, I don't know if it'll be more reliable than the Defender. It'll depend on the maintenance and the service history. And, I'm going to go with yes. You I'm, I'm, I'm going to say yes A on diesel, that. probably, <laughs> but you can just feel comfortable. That's the, we're going yeah, camping, yeah, kids. Yeah. We're going to tow stuff, haul stuff, get dirty on the weekends, hauling whatever, and we're going to go have <laughs> some fun. And then you've got the 86 over here, so it's the non-British option, but right. maxing out your dollars in both okay. categories. Yeah. There's pounds in this just case. To, but yes. Well, pounds. But I'm with you. Exactly. I totally agree. I totally just, agree. I just see where you to are. Uh, confuse the the matter further. Yep. I like the tool for the job personally. It, I, I know you do too. I, I do I'm too. not saying that. I, I we, live we that both way. do. But you've got to be careful that it can it's really just, genuinely work for your life. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And and you've just you've got a healthy enough budget that you could make either work. Mm-hmm. I like the Fiesta mm-hmm. ST, but I like the two car scenario too. So you've yeah. got to decide. And please send us photos. When you do, because we'll include sure. it in the car conclusions for sure. for sure. So, thank you both for writing in, yeah, and yeah, time. send us your debates. You guys are continuing to send us, and if we are not able to get to your debate, that's okay. Please tell us what you bought. Yes, later send on. us car conclusions. We are we are actually reading everything that comes in. It is a, it is a torrent, but we love it. <laughs> thank good, you, and uh, we're it, glad yeah. that we can actually do some car debates. We have, by the way, a couple of things to know about next week. Next week is SEMA in the U.S. Hmm. Which means madness and chrome, and that door is now coming off and spinning, and crazy things happen on the cars. Madness is more like a tornado of stuff. I'm looking forward to seeing a C8. I think there may be a C8 there in, in one yeah. or seven booths. We'll probably, see. Probably. Uh, so I look forward to seeing that. But we'll we'll be talking and debriefing SEMA. A couple things to know about SEMA next week. We don't leave. We will do a first podcast next week for Tuesday. They'll be pretty normal. We may pick pick a fun topic, but then for Friday's podcast will be recorded at SEMA. In the Covercraft booth and will be all car questions. So you'll Pretty hear cool. car chatter in the background. We will be, do- sorry, all non car questions. Non car questions. We'll do a little yes. bit of a SEMA wrap up. Then we'll have madness of non car questions for next Friday's podcast. That is number 450. Be looking as of Wednesday. We'll start asking for questions because we want to be buried in them, and it will be again non car questions. <laughs> Let's go nuts. It's all the, that will be next week. It's all at the SEMA. rest of the stuff. Wow. All right, jumping into social media questions on Facebook, Alexander L. asks me if I've ever driven a 981 Cayman Mm. with Porsche's X73 suspension options, and he's driven it, which uh, I would like to. As a matter of fact, my Cayman is not equipped with that, and uh, I checked the build code to verify the build Mm -hmm. sheet, and it is not. So, yes, I've not. I've driven the Porsche Active Suspension Management, also known as the PASM. Porsche is among the the kings of acronyms and confusing numbers. So you really have to be, you know, in the deep end of the pool to understand. But I, I'm not saying you can't. That's it's just 
should you have the desire, it's it's deep. But <laughs> you can drown I, in there. <laughs> I agree that the X73 is a, a a tighter version and something that is very focused. You have to know what you want out of your car to mm-hmm. to order it with that. The owner of my car didn't. The first buyer <laughs> was a retired university professor. Yeah. He just wanted yeah, yeah. a hot car that was a placeholder for his GT4. Yes. Yes, so we just decided, car. Yeah. all right, I'll putter around in the GTS. And he puttered around <laughs> Phoenix and Scottsdale. Yep. And the dealership said, I don't think this car has been over 80 miles an hour because he took it to the dealership every Friday to, you know, hang out and get an espresso and sit in the showroom and jab about cars. And let them wash it. Yeah. So he wasn't the most discerning person, I, I don't think, that you know yeah. really yeah, yeah. spec'd it out. But on the other hand, I got it for a great price. You did. You and did. I still and love my car. Vents, so that's key. It's still got a great suspension. It's lowered <laughs> still by GTS. It's still yeah, yeah. a phenomenal car. I've tracked yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like you know, you're know you missing out necessarily, but you're right. I would like to drive the X73 and really really compare it because down the rabbit hole we go into for sure. madness. For sure. For sure. Forrest Jenkins on Instagram said, which is better? AMG 63 wagon we just drove, or Audi Q8. Pretty easy. It's the AMG. Oh yeah. The Q8. The Q8's great, and it's a it's a Cayenne alternative, and it's nice, and it's fun, and we were very impressed. The AMG 63 wagon is just that's such a rare kind of car. It's one of the discussions we have in our fast blast about the fact we wish more automakers made that, but of course they just aren't going to. It has so much of the car fast dynamics while still being whole family usable. It just wins that discussion hands down. I've got one from Wheelman GT on Instagram. He said, what aspect of the Porsche racing experience was our favorite? And then there was another question from Don, also on Instagram, saying, we talked about the Porsche experience. Can anyone go or do you have to own a Porsche? And was our experience because we own one and because we walked in to shoot TV? So let me unpack both of these. I think everybody's going to have a different thing they prefer, Wheelman GT, at the Porsche experience. I actually really liked the circular wetted skid pad Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. that was the thing I felt like I need the most time here. I I could get better everywhere on the place. Please don't get me wrong. There was nowhere I had dialed. But because I don't have an opportunity to have a 911 rear engine that I'm sliding around, I wanted to do that for the next two or three hours oh, yeah, and no just kidding. get that feel because it isn't mid-engine. It doesn't have front engine. They all operate a little bit differently. And I got it a little bit, but and you'll see that in the video, but I, but I wanted to just have time. And I know this yeah, sounds weird. I the instructors there were great. I would have liked to be like, bug me in two hours. Mm-hmm. You can climb out, go get a coffee. <laughs> I, I, I know what I'm supposed to do. It's going to be connecting my brain to make it happen. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I would I would love to have done that. That's just a personal thing for me. The the tracking was great. There was fun launches. There were all kinds of great things to do. Which leads me back to Don's question. Don, anybody can go. That's why we did the episode. We didn't do the episode because like yay Porsche, which will happen because Paul was there. Yes, but yes. We did the episode because like Speed Vegas, anyone can go. You don't have to own a Porsche. And I know that the experience we had is like other people's experience because I, I get it. We showed up. We're shooting TV. We're promoting. We like Porsche. You could say, well, you guys got a different experience. I, I totally get that. But here's the reason I don't think so. Because we had multiple people that joined us for dinner as part of our meetup that showed up, don't drive Porsches. Only one of them that I can think of is even shopping. The rest of them are just, I want to have a driving experience. Mm-hmm. They were just people. Mm-hmm. That, and, and the instructors and everybody dealing with them didn't know they had any connection to us. They were just there. And they across the board had great experiences with their instructors, with the things they learned, yeah, they got to drive Porsches, but everybody was being treated in a way that was similar to the way we got treated, which tells me we're not unique in this regard. If you have the chance to go, go, because I think you'll come away a better driver and have a great time. I agree. The overarching headspace of the entire staff is it's an exclusive brand, but if you love Porsches and that's part of who you are, whether or not you own one, you're part of the family. Sure. Come on yeah, yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. Well, what do you want to work on? Which was the best part to hear. All right. Let's see. Question down here. Jared, our buyer. For the music video, I Can't Drive 55, if that was being filmed today, what would the hero car be? It needs to be stick shift. And uh, what else? Uh, yes, Jeff Hober recommended the Dodge Demon, which I like. Yeah, that is good. I, I'm thinking it's got to be something American because I Can't Drive 55 is uniquely American. That is a uniquely American so, problem, So yes. it needs to be, uh, yeah. I mean, pick one of the three, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Which one do you like the best? And uh, all three of them are available with sticks, so, you know, what do you want? The Camaro with ZL1 
would be way up there. That's up there. one one le would be. I mean, they're all angry. Yeah, they're that, all that, so that looks, angry. That looks the part. Granted, the demon looks the part too. They all, yeah, kind of do. I, I mean, somebody yeah. bring the GT five hundred. There's a whole one. discussion about that going on. Yeah. Yeah. Rich D also asked, "How long before we test the new Mustang GT five hundred, also known as your favorite Mustang of all time?" I don't know. We'll see. We we'll just see. saw our friend Billy Johnson had the Mustangs in Vegas at uh, Vegas yeah. Speedway. He yeah, was yeah. doing some stuff with those, mm-hmm. and I believe he was in on part of the development of those too. It definitely was. He's a development so, driver for Ford Performance for sure. He is. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, I'm really curious. It's sort of what do you drive that against? If you know you want a GT five hundred, it's not like you're shopping. You're just that buyer. Hellcats. You think? Yeah. Interesting point. Interesting I point. think it's in the category of the Jeep Hellcat, the the Trackhawk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you want that. You want that car. Yeah, so it's almost sort of the GT500 against the world, <laughs> against your bank account. And GT500 it's against, against your budget. You know. That's where we are. The, yeah. the uh, Which you know, one your wins? high school side of you that listened to yeah. you know, thrash metal or something. Yeah, totally. It, it's that against those elements of society rather That's than funny. another car. Because if you're shopping, you want one. Guess what? You're going to get it. <laughs> Aries wrote in on Facebook and said he feels like he's seen more and more people with dash cams. And so he thinks it's because they're becoming more, more inexpensive, easily to install. Do we think the rise of dash cams will result, I love this question, will result in people being more self-aware of their own driving habits and lead to less accidents? He thinks so. Aries, I'm going to disagree with you. Mm-hmm. I think the reason for dash cams is because people are worried about getting scammed for, you hit me, oh, no, I didn't. And I actually think this will help people's driving not at all because I don't think it <laughs> yeah. creates in most people a, I'm being watched. I think it creates in most people a, I'm watching you. I'm yeah. like, don't do anything yeah. to me because I have it on camera. I think it creates that. And so I, I don't know that it helps complacency at all, unfortunately. Yeah, as far as legal implications, I think it can only help in you know for insurance. I, I think it's going to be those up are there. the upsides if, of them for sure. If you've got a dash cam, I would like to see you know insurance costs lower because it takes the mystery and and the argument out of everything, which is great. Uh, I <laughs> I look at um, dash cams as I'm, I'm seeing them more and more. We're used to them in yeah. uh, various rental cars on yeah, track, yeah. all that kind of stuff, which is great. I, I I'm fine with it. Honestly, mm-hmm. I'm fine. Yeah. But it's in the category of, you know, when people are holding up their iPhone, you think they're just looking at their phone. They might have the camera turned on. They might be shooting you. <laughs> well, I suppose. So it's it's a lack of noticeability that is going to not register with people. If the camera's there, they're not going to notice it or yeah. remember, you know, so I don't think that's going to be the case. All right. Uh, Aniswar is asking about every car enthusiast has their own unique story on how they got into cars. Mm. How did we get into cars? Was it working on cars with your dad at a young age? Was it going to your first car show? What sparked your passion for cars? I definitely think it was Hot Wheels and Matchbox in my mm-hmm. case. It was very early on, and I, I think my parents didn't see it coming, but more so than my interest, it was the nurturing of that interest. Sure. And I think sure, that yeah, with yeah. every parent, it's, yeah. okay, you've, you've shown a slight interest in that, and, mm-hmm. and that is the nurturing. Mm-hmm. And I admit that my mom allowed me to draw on the walls. It's crazy. That's hard cool to swallow. To yeah, yeah, for sure. Because she thought, all right, we can paint over that. We can scrub it off. Yeah. But yeah, I don't yeah. want to get in the way of, you know, nurturing this Interesting. Yeah. potential passion, talent, whatever that is yeah. in my child. And so it was the, the promotion, the, the nurturing, all that kind of stuff that really pushed it through. And so they thought, all right, I guess Paul likes cars. Let's buy him more car models. And then yeah, they got me into yeah, yeah. building my own, you know, scale yeah. models. And yeah, yeah. you remember all those models, you know, with the glue Nutty. and the yeah. paint and the mess. And it then never looks anything close to the box. But finally you were done. You it's like, ah, it was so much more fun than the result. <laughs> <laughs> it always is. Yeah. Well, I'll actually tell you another one. Listen to episode 52 of this podcast. Yeah. That was our yeah. first one. We were a year in. We couldn't believe we'd done a year's worth of podcast. Now we've done a lot more. But we did <laughs> the the story of the entire show, how both of us got into cars, how we met, how the show started, how we built the show from there. Episode 52 is that entire story for an hour, so we welcome you to listen to that as well. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let's see. Holt Nico on Instagram says, in an attempt to embrace the inevitable, are sporty CUVs going to be a thing? Uh, they already are. Kind of already are. Yeah. You know, he names the Macan, the CX-3, the ST version of the Edge. Yes, it's it's ST everything. So we do do we bring back the SS Trailblazer, HRVSI? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yikes, I can't imagine that. It's, it's the cheapest SUV Honda makes. 
with the Civic Type R motor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love the it. The Fit R. Let's do them all. Let's just let's just R everything. Well, yeah. with with the proliferation, I mean, we're seeing it. It's across the board. I think it's going to take a while for hybrids and electrics. The, the biggest thing for me with hybrids is the disconnect in performance between the two systems. Because mm. when you mm. ask for more power, there's a lot of thinking and mechanical clunking going on Just before it delivers hang on, hang on, said hang on. power. I hear you. So uh, as, you know, for the future, I think customers will want it, but I think they'll buy them just because they're more expensive and they, they're theoretically better. Mm. You know, whether I see admittedly far older, you know, grandparent type couples driving around in Cayenne GTSs mm-hmm. puttering around. Yeah. It doesn't matter that it's a GTS. It's and irrelevant. It's, yeah. You can hang out at 180. Yeah. On the Autobahn and that thing, yeah. no problem. You won't be doing that in the U.S. with the grandkids. It's not going to happen. Yeah. It's just, mm-hmm. all right, but you bought it because it was more expensive. Mm-hmm. I think we'll see more of uptrend. that. But yes, is the question, or yes, the answer to the question of sport versions of SUVs. And I say bring them. Yeah. Because I, I think if SUVs, you know, we can defy physics as long as we can, <laughs> I'm I'm all for that. I we're in just the huge. Uh, it's not. It's not a renaissance. It's an obsession yeah. with SUVs right now, yeah. and I really do hope it ends. But as we linger on all the sporty things they can do that, that defy physics, I think it actually starts to make cars more and more irrelevant. Unfortunately, but we'll see how it shakes out. Here's a question about older cars. Uh, Hassanum on Instagram said, "Floor-mounted pedals on a manual transmission car." Mm-hmm. He's had the experience. He does not like them, especially for heel toe. Uh, but yet they get made. Why is that? It's an older tech. You don't see it as much anymore. The older 911s. If you watch our 50 years of 911, you can. We actually talk about for, to some people too much the pedal boxes through the various years and what feet fit and that kind of thing. But once they quit being air cooled, they also quit being floor-mounted pedals. They take some real getting used to. It's oh, a, yeah, it's a sure. different foot placement for heel toe. It's one of those things where I heard somebody say once that they were terrible until suddenly they weren't. Where it, it <laughs> right. takes it, 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 you're retraining your brain. Which when you're in something like a, an old 911, it kind of works honestly because it's already so different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, they aren't as ergonomic as modern pedals. It is much harder to heel toe. I'm not a huge fan of heel towing in them, but at the same time, when I ride in an old 911, drive an old 911, I just think this feels kind of right, doesn't it? Yeah. The one of the hardest things is actually figuring out your braking. Because your braking doesn't uh, recess toward the firewall. It drops toward the floor. Your foot ha- actually does a hinge movement. You become the hinge. Mm-hmm. That's one of the hardest things to figure out. I, I don't feel like – does anybody make them modern now? I don't think so. Not to my think knowledge. It's all a older floor stuff. hinge? Not to yeah, my knowledge. It's all no. older stuff unless you drive a bus. But uh, right. So, yeah, it, it takes some getting used to, but it's just kind of one of those enthusiast dedication moments, I feel like. Well, it's uh, a lot of it is manufacturing, to be honest. The floor hinge pedals is a lot of assembly. Mm, and they're running the okay. lines to the rear of the car, Fair even point. though the brand new Fair 992 point. and a lot of modern Porsches are the, the top-mounted pedals. Are, yes, yes, but yes. think of that as just a manufactured assembly that can just be installed. Okay, mm, yeah. And especially with the proliferation of drive-by-wire throttle, it's a module that's installed. Mm, you don't have point. to assemble a lot of cables and string that and that's fair. You know, that's fair. stretch that spring and mm-hmm. nuts and bolts and all that stuff. There's a lot of intricate assembly w- involved with that. So... It's a manufacturing issue, too, that makes it easy, and so, you know, we're all used to it now. Baloo240 on Instagram says, what's the best way to avoid correcting someone who is talking about cars and clearly has no knowledge of the topic? <laughs> well, I'm I'm thinking it's entertainment. Have you ever been to a car show and you overhear somebody talking about that concept car and it's to my nothing car. but misinformation? Yes. And you want to step in and be like, no, no, no. On the other hand, I'm just going to let them talk because, wow, that's really entertaining. You are going wild. That, <laughs> that, that Lotus Elise has a worse. V10? Sure it sure does. Sure it does. Yeah. Let's go with that. So maybe it's, uh, you know, you you let them dig their own hole kind of thing. You rather leave than, it alone and enjoy it. Rather than being the know-it-all in the room because as car people, we love to argue yes. things yes, that we, we know. Yes, and we do. I know that, and you don't, and mm-hmm. I'm going to lord that over you, yes, and I'm going to nail you with this little tiny piece of information that ultimately not really that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, does it change our perception or our love for it? Not really. Yeah. So if we can agree, I, I, I think uh, a good difference is the horsepower rating, mm-hmm. the SAE horsepower rating versus brake horsepower and how car manufacturers actually measure horsepower. Mm-hmm. We can have a long argument and why European manufacturers are going that way and why 
it, it's endless. When's the last time your dyno was calibrated? What, were the, what was the temperature on the day they did it? We can get crazy. I mean, yeah. it's the same thing with hard drive space. Can you can manufacturers guarantee that they call it a ten gig hard drive or a yeah, yeah. terabyte or whatever that? Yeah. It's not quite that much because there's you know just irregularities in the manufacturing process and slight variations. Hmm. Same with making an engine. These things are put together by people. <laughs> and they vary based on all kinds of reasons. It, you, so we could argue, yeah. we can but ultimately, you know, what we want to get to is all right, if you're interested, let me share you my experience and I do know a few things, but mm -hmm. ultimately with the intent of encouraging you and helping you. You not have, beating yeah. you with a piece of information that I know and you don't. You have to be invited into the conversation one way or another, mm -hmm. honestly, because if you just jump in, I've, I've been in multiple situations like this where you have you have the guy or the people or whatever that they just they know everything. They have an answer for everything. Yeah, and, and, I, and you and I are asked a lot of questions like this, and on one level, you know, we're supposed to have an answer. On another level, there's stuff I don't know. Absolutely, and I, I, I throw in the towel. You we know, admit that and a lot. So, yeah, too. for sure. And so if you know, if you're in a conversation with somebody that is the know-it-all. I've watched that kill conversations because mm -hmm. they have the answer for everything, and that doesn't engage people further. I like your idea of kind of let it ride because that can be really funny, and then you have content for Twitter. There's exactly. That. That's I, just let it ride. Look at what he said about that new... Yeah, sta standing right here, I just heard the following. Take a photo. <laughs> put it on Instagram. Take a photo. This car, the following things were just set around me. That's, that's gold right there. If it's right red there. and low slung, A, it's a Ferrari Must across a Ferrari, the board. Yeah. And it's got a million horsepower and all this stuff. It's fun to hear. Like, but if you what get is in, your included in the conversation in any way, shape, or form, I think that's okay. But you got to be careful about jumping in and being like, actually, no, these things. And this happens to me every now and then while I get into an engine code discussion, which is pretty much the fastest way to put me to sleep. I'm yeah. in a conversation, yeah. and somebody starts throwing, well, this engine code for that. I'm like, I, I need my like engine-to-English dictionary because you're just throwing codes at me, <laughs> and I'm lost. English. That's Seriously. Good. Somebody Seriously. needs to publish that. Well, ultimately, the, the best example I can think of is the Nissan GTR. When it came okay. out, yeah, yeah. it was the best car ever because of the stats. Mm -hmm. yeah. I've read everything. Mm -hmm. I know it all. Oh, but I haven't driven it yet. So it's all about people's experiences. Yes, the absolutes are absolutes, of course. Yeah. The numbers, yeah. it does this. But, you know, zero to 60 times tested by various outlets kind of vary sometimes depending yeah, on the do, day sure. and the traction. Yeah. And they kind of vary. They, you know, so coming to definitive things about the GTR. Sometimes it's like, okay, yep, it's got that much power and it does this, but it doesn't matter to the driving experience. Mm, so relate mm. the, the facts and figures and the performance mm. and what it does to... How do you like it? And that's that's our goal. That's, that's our key. entire, yeah. you can't drive a spec sheet. So totally. what matters totally. most to you? Yep. If it's a low horsepower car and great, it doesn't sound fun, but man or Miata's fun. Yeah, fair you know? point. Fair point. Yeah, so yeah. that's that's what we want to help people get past. Of course, I'm not saying that truth is not what it is. It, it, absolutely. The, the numbers and the facts, absolutely, that's a good starting place. That's as you said. That can be a conversation killer because you got to relate it further. You got to say, "All right, so mm -hmm. you got this much power, and or you know, cost this less." But you know what? This other car mm -hmm. has eighty-one percent of that. Why don't you look at that? <laughs> does how much does that matter? Your to listed you? percentage, man. Which you do a good job of. I you know what that. I mean? Totally, yeah, so yeah. that's yeah, yeah. that's ultimately our goal is to take that. And say, okay, mm -hmm. that's a great spec sheet. Are you gonna like it? Now what? Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know if I'm gonna like it. I don't care if it has six million horsepower. Yeah. Which is too much. Does by it the fit way. my life? <laughs> Can my wife drive it? You know what? What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear All you. those things. So we we land on engine codes, and again, those are those are absolutes. But you know, you got to relate it to us. Andrew, my last question is from from you. You're on Facebook, and you're having that uh, midlife crisis car uh, perception dilemma. You got rid of your 135i. You named the Blue Shark, but it has started to take uh, bites out of your wallet. So you got rid of that, <laughs> and you got yourself. A 2017 Orange Spice Fiesta ST, and you love it. In fact, you, you, you really love it. In fact, if nobody's heard about it yet, you will happily pull them aside and tell them how awesome the Fiesta ST is. I love that you love this car this much. I love that you bought a color. The folks that you work with that are car people are like, awesome. Mm -hmm. But the rest of the world is looking at you like you've lost your mind or lost a bet or are having a midlife crisis currently. You're wondering, is there a way to, to connect the dots? Probably not. I think you got to let this go. I think you got to let this go. We've talked about this before. If you buy a 
what people perceive as a, you lost your mind, why'd you buy that crazy car, midlife crisis car, if you will, at any point in life, and people are not used to that from you, one of two things, either A, just doesn't matter, or B, make that the first of a string of crazy cars you own, and then it's not you had a midlife crisis car, you just (laughs) finally got to the place where you're buying the fun stuff you always wanted. I don't think you're ever going to sell anybody on the Fiesta ST, and I say that because this is my issue with the car and my wife. Hmm. She she knows, she trusts me that I know about cars and I drive cars and it is what I do for a living. And every time I go, ooh, Fiesta ST, she's like, that thing? <laughs> and she's kind of a car girl, but mm-hmm. she's just, she can't get past what it looks like. She's like, I don't care how good it drives. It's just, that's stupid. That's her opinion on the Fiesta ST. That, she's, <laughs> no. she's done. She's just done with it. She's like, I don't think so. So That's so, stupid. Like, seriously, that's, she said that she's like, that's just a stupid car. I'm like, But it's but so fun that's with the so thing funny. and the stuff and the crazy color. And you've you never driven it. Wait, she's never back. driven it. So you're not going to be going around. As much as I like that you're being the ambassador of Fiesta ST, you're not going to go around and put everybody in work in it. And here's the thing. Half of them are going to terrify anyway, and you haven't changed their perception. Now they really think you're crazy. So let it go. Drive it. Cackle your way out of the parking lot and give no nods to other car enthusiasts. Good day. I love that. We've recommended so many Fiesta STs now. People are writing to us. I bought one. You guys were right. We're now recommending the next new generation yeah, yeah, in yeah. Europe that we haven't driven yet. That's great. It's that good. We had 29 cars on our road tour day in Atlanta. Five were Fiesta STs. <laughs> can't believe that. At one point... <laughs> I said to somebody, please move the Fiesta ST, and they said, which one? I said, the one beside the the Civic Type R, and they said, which one? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Love it. I love it. Guys, thanks a million for all your questions. As always, we really appreciate it. It's you that makes the podcast. Honestly, it's, you know, your your questions and your action really help us, and uh, we love talking about it, and we definitely consider all of you to be part of the car family for For sure. sure. Part of the Everyday Driver Absolutely. family. So thank you guys worldwide, honestly. it's We continue to get emails. So if you're listening internationally outside the U.S., love to hear your emails too. So write to us. Looking forward to next time, everyone. Cheers.